it's not Garrett's voice today. Normally it's Garrett reading us in. Today it's me. And in the past, when this has happened, folks, it's been me going solo or me with Logan. And and usually when I'm with Logan, he starts talking about some anime bullshit and it's just what it is. But this is not that today. Today, we are being graced by royalty. I mean, he's he's laughing and he's getting a little a little red. But he told me before the show that that a woman told him he has one of the most what was the word it, like a was it sexy i can't remember what the what the word was she simply told me jeff that uh, she she loved my voice and Ooh. asked me to say anything and i said hi my name is mitch she said oh oh sounds oh. so good i was like okay i got it. i uh, <laughs> i feel like i'm like old now like you know 34 is made me feel like i'm just over the hill and and uh, pathetic, like I'll, I'll say in a, a BYU weekly presser, gassing up and try to yeah. spill young, but uh, but really I'm not young. I feel old and yeah. uh, and I'm so it, it gave me a little bit of kick in my step. I'm like maybe maybe this uh, this thick boy BYU body has got a little <laughs> bit uh, extra mileage to get going. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm feeling good today. So we're graced by Mitch Harper this week, and, and Mitch Harper, not just Mitch Harper. It's like Mitch Harper got a B12 shot today from some lady at the, at the grocery store. And he's, he's walking around with an extra skip in his step today. This is great. Mitch, welcome this is, to the uh, show. I'm happy to be on with you, Jeff. You, you know, I, you know, I love you, man. And uh, I'm always happy to be. So when you text me and I was coming back from the, the Macy's grocery store in Pleasant Grove doing a, a tailgate, I got to say too, the, the, the tailgates parties for, for BYU fans, like, we got to be better. Like I mean, tell tailgating in general, at BYU <laughs> has got to get better. I think it's always going to be limited because of the, the location. Like no one wants to be, you know, two miles and be next to a Baskin Robbins and a, <laughs> and a Dutch bros to, uh, you know, get or the day before the game, we got to step our tailgating game up. Like, Hey, I'm trying to hype y'all up. I got some music playing. Like, let's, let's have some fun. Let's do some of the rah, rah, rah. Let's, let's get after it. But, uh, you fans are a little bit shy and reserved, but that lady, she was not reserved. She no. was, uh, she was excited. No, she was getting, uh, she was getting out of her box and trying to get you out of your box a little bit too. And uh, I'm grateful because not only, I mean, you said one line to her, but now we get a whole episode of, of all kinds of lines for you. This is, this is the perfect week for you to, to be here. First and foremost, we've got to, we got to get serious a little bit because well, I'll get there. I'm, I don't. I don't host the show. I just talk. I just ramble. Now I got to host to get through an agenda. This is weird. Uh, we got to talk about Florida. Hurricane Ian, brutal. Uh, absolutely, just like decimating Florida right now. Our guy Will Turner. I don't know if you've worked much with Will uh, over at the twenty four seven side. He's there, kind of right in the heart of it. He told me yesterday that uh, the map had the dot of the hurricane like directly over his house, so he's right in the go zone. Uh, so prayers up for Will and, and everybody out there. Pretty brutal stuff. But that's not the only sad news. And I, I don't, now that I, I'm transitioning, <laughs> I'm here in this transition, it feels like a weird transition. But Coolio is dead. And it feels like of all the days for you to be on the show, I don't think I'd get the respect about Coolio's death from Garrett that I think you're going to be able to provide. I, you know, when I saw that uh, breaking news notification about Coolio's passing, I was like, we have to bring this up on, yeah. on GEHB tonight. 
because uh, I was like, Julio, I'm thinking of the all that specials with Keenan and Kel. <laughs> right. Kale loves orange soda. <laughs> Kale loves, like, I was like instantly having flashbacks. I wanted to sit on that orange Nickelodeon couch with Julio, <laughs> Keenan and Kel. And I'm like, that guy's died. He passed away He's now. He's gone. It circles back to we're getting old, Jeff. And well, that's, that, uh, you know, that's the problem. That's what I was thinking. Like, pick a Coolio song. So, like, there's there's three or four that I think everybody knows. Everybody else, Gangster's Paradise. I think most people, they may not know the word Fantastic Voyage. But once you hear the song, you know Fantastic Voyage. If you pick any random Coolio song, really any random Coolio song, and then overlay it on any 90s movie, period. Any of them. Like, it can be anything from, like, I don't know, like dude, where's my car to like Braveheart. It doesn't matter. Anything in between. You put a Coolio soundtrack over the top of it and it's like, oh yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> it's it's the perfect soundtrack for an entire decade. No, any song he sings. I felt edgy when uh, I slept over at my uncle's house and he had this huge collection of CDs and I had this CD Walkman uh, that I took from my mom's when I went to the sleepover to my uncle's because I knew I could listen to some edgy music late at night when he was oh, asleep yeah. and I'd play that. <laughs> like I thought I felt I was edgy listening to some Coolio. Because yeah. like, I mean, obviously as a, as a young kid, I couldn't have that. So, right. uh, you know, that and not watching the Simpsons and, and those sort of <laughs> bands were, did, were placed on probably every young BYU fan. I was going to uh, say, did, did you grow up in my house? Because I had those same stupid rules too. And as you look back, I was looking at Coolio songs tonight just to like remember, there's only like five that even have the explicit label on them. Like what were, what was I being outlawed from? <laughs> no, it, it's it, then now you go to like a BYU football game and, and the <laughs> instrumentals to any of these songs are like the, all the definition of explicit. But back in the day, <laughs> Back in the day, it was like, hey, don't go down to that corner. That that's so so and so is a little bit different. Uh that that's the era we lived in. But hey, we're we're better for it now. We're we're here on this podcast. But R.I.P. Coolio. What a yeah. What a, did we do we know how he passed? I don't I didn't look into that. I didn't look into that either. I saw 59 is all that I saw. And that's, I just that's went, what oh. made me kind of pause and think, how did he yeah. pass? And usually I always assume the worst when it's not publicly out there how they passed i mean that's maybe a little bit morbid of me but uh no i, I get it always assume the worst lately i've been assuming that if there's a celebrity who randomly passes it's because they had a secret fight with cancer that they just didn't tell anybody about it feels like all these celebrities are like quietly battling cancer and, and, and losing and that's sad but like whatever i mean i guess do your thing so rest in peace coolio uh, go listen to Gangster's Paradise tomorrow i hope mm -hmm. they play it in the stadium like that that feels like that would be the only appropriate tribute that would be a nice David Almodova touch. We yeah. we need the marketing touch of, you know, like, hey, the the creatives in this era, like they're not content creators, they're creatives now. Let's yeah. let's get the creative juices flowing and there do a Coolio tribute. You know, that, well, that's we we just did your job for you, David. And I, I know that sixty thousand of the sixty-four thousand people in that stadium won't get it, but we will and you will. So so yeah. let's make that happen. Uh, Mitch, moving into some real stuff. Uh, before we do, I guess I've got to do a, a quick read here. Did you see the Rock'em socks? Did you see the Cougar Tail socks? Yes, I love them. They're awesome. They're, they're dope. So I got my pair. Rock'em socks sent me a pair of each of the Cougar Tail socks this week. Uh, I've never had Rock'em socks, but I got my first two pairs. They're every bit as good as Stance socks. And I'm like a Stance snob. They're every bit as good. So high quality. They look dope. It's Cougar Tails. You're not going to find Cougar Tails on a sock. I will say, 
there's one that has just like one big long cougar tail and i don't know if it's because i got like cankles going on or what it is but when i put those on the big cougar tail looked a little phallic there on my shin it got a little bit weird but it was great the socks are comfortable they have a ton of stuff you go to rockamsocks.com r-o-c-k-e-m socks.com use promo code gehb20 at checkout we'll get you 20 percent off they have more than just sports they have more than just college football uh so check them out rockamsocks.com and get your cougar tail socks uh, Mitch, I haven't had a chance to talk to you. You know, we for as much as we talk, and we have a text going on like every day for the last I don't know decade. I haven't asked you at all about realignment. And Dennis Dobbs dropped. I'm not going to call it a bombshell because it kind of feels like it was like a story, just because like his editors were like, "Hey, update the world on realignment." And he's like, "Well, nothing's happened, so we'll just write the same story again." And so he wrote it today, but it did publish, and it had this like harrowing image of the Pac-12 logo on a football field, and it was like all fractured like when bane blows up the the, the pittsburgh yes. state yeah that's what it looked like right it was the exact thought the steelers find field yeah yes. that's that's exactly what it was and so, <laughs> and so the the title was i can't remember like the pac-12 a danger of eventual collapse or something like that what what do you think is going to happen with all of this nonsense I feel that, you know, the, the Big 12, honestly, should just go to Arizona and Arizona State. I don't think that anyone else uh, it adds any more to the pot. And in, in a 12-team college football playoff era, do we really need a 16-team playoff where still the Big 12 probably gets, what, whether it's 12 or 16, at best two teams? And that right. might not be an annual occurrence. To me, if you want to expand and still take out the Pac-12, just go get the Arizona schools because they add upside and potential. We know the whole song and dance about the football side with those programs. But from the basketball side, they do add uh, tremendous value, I think, with Arizona. So that's the two teams to me. I don't think there's any other need to go get Utah or Colorado because in the 12-team playoff, there's just no need to expand to 16. Mm. And I still think you can get probably an equal share of TV money per school with a 14-team Big 12 that adds uh, Arizona and Arizona State compared to a 16-team one. I think so, too. Now, now here's what I think they should do. Now, people don't know this about you and me, Mitch, but but we used to write on blogs together, and we were always trying to start blog wars, right? Like, little, little competition between other blogs was always good. We always making up these, like, conspiracies of what the other blog was doing, why they were out to get us. If I put that hat on, and I'm Brett Yormark, here's what I want to do. Because I agree with you. The Arizona schools are really the only value add right now. This is what I do. I go and I say, San Diego State, we'll invite you. And I go, Washington State, we'll invite you too. It's going to be a pain in the ass to get to Pullman. It's going to be, it, it doesn't make any sense, right? Logistically, it makes no sense. But the Pac-10, the Pac-12, now Pac-10, can't be the Pac-9. And if you take San Diego State away, then that was really their only expansion candidate that's not a Power 5 school, right? So go get San Diego State. And then go get Washington State. And then the Arizona schools, like they're going to come begging the Big 12 to get in. That's my plan. I would just like, it's it's the, what what is the, what is the contract about? It's the poison pill contract, right? Like that's what I think Brett Yormark should do. Go to those two schools that really don't make a ton of sense, may not add a lot of value, but they're going to add value in the sense that the Pac-12 will be dead. And you'll know that it's dead because San Diego State's also gone. That's my plan of attack. That's a great attack because I think we often just assume well, Oregon State, Washington State to the Mountain West, 
you know that Washington State, if they get this Big 12 invite, they're taking it immediately. Yeah, the jump. They're not right. waiting on these extension and these. They're taking it because it's showing them up that they're going to be at a minimum the fourth best league in America and probably the third. Uh, yeah. I, I like that. I, I think it's I think it's cool. I mean, Pullman, uh, that that facility it stadium feels like it's uh, a little bit souped up Logan. Uh, yeah. you know, Utah state, it, it really does. It just has a, like a Logan vibe, which fine Washington state though has always had some pretty good football over, over the years. And, and yeah, San Diego state would be a pain in the neck to deal with. And their, their scandals right now. I mean, everyone nationally always talks about BYU's got these issues and that issues, but San Diego state right now with the, the former punt God, uh, that's some real scandal and their football team's not great in the moment, but uh, I'd like that because it just forces the hands of Arizona and Arizona state, because I think they're the real ones when your marks talking, we want to go West and find alignment in both football and basketball. Those are the two entities to me that seem like they're the ones that would fit the best. And I think they really, their fan bases want to be there too. I don't, I don't yeah. get the sense that Colorado, their fan base is chomping at the bit to be in the big 12. I know it feels like Utah at no circumstances wants to be in in uh, the same league with BYU again. And I get that. I think the same can be said for BYU fans. They don't want to deal with Utah. But uh, I, I like that. I think that's an outside-the-box thinking because I think we just all get in that line of thought of Washington State, Oregon State, to the Mountain West, and that's what that's going to be. But, yeah, go take it out right now because Washington State will take that today. They would. And, and so this is what I think the Big 12 has. What the Big 12, and we talk about it on our show a lot, what the Big 12 has going forward no, they don't have an L.A. market, right? They don't have a Seattle market. But they got a bunch of teams who give a whole lot of care about football, right? And you look at the SEC, Tuscaloosa is not a great market. It's just a bunch of fans that love football. And, I mean, the, you pick a school in the SEC. They're all kind of that same way, right? Pullman, when Washington State has anything sort of to play for, Pullman shows up. Like, they show out. That place is packed. They haven't been good. But if they can get that lifeline and the rest of the Pac-12 is like scrambling, they might have an advantage over some of those schools in the Pacific Northwest that have had an advantage over them for a while, and their fans care. And I think going forward, the Big 12 needs to find the schools who have fans that care, and that eliminates really half of the big uh, of the Pac-12 and a lot of the ACC. So to me, that's what I would do. It's outside of the box, but it kind of forces everybody's hand a little bit, and, and then you can I, move I forward. That. So I love that line of thinking. And, you know, I think too, with to your point with, with the big 12 fan bases is that we've seen as well, that they are willing to pay and search for games, you know, the big 12 plus ESPN plus big 12. Now they are seeking that out. They have to pay. They're already turning to streaming, whether it's football and especially in basketball, they're paying. Whereas the PAC 12 network, we already know that that fan base, those fan bases are not willing to dig high and low to get their product. Uh, and that's why the big 12, I think has a lot more potential. It's not just because BYU's in that league, the big 12 is hyper-focused on college athletics and even USC right now in the PAC 12, I know they're going to be going to the big 10, but that LA market just, they're the fourth show. I mean, it's, it was about, you know, the Lakers media day on Monday. That's all they care about the, over there. It wasn't about that big win. They had it up in Corvallis where they grinded it out. It was about, Oh, LeBron and uh, Pat, uh, Patrick Beverly uh, are going to uh, try to make a run at a title. It's like, come on. Like, they just don't care about college football in the West Coast. And 
uh, I do like it from that standpoint. A Pullman is a place that feels like they are focused on college athletics. And uh, I like that about the Big 12. And I think that's why, you know, this league fits the DNA still of BYU sports, where it's 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 a higher ground than BYU has ever been on yet. It still fits the fabric and the culture of BYU that they're still looking to validate themselves on the biggest stages of college athletics. And that's what I love about BYU in the Big 12 Conference. And I think it's going to be an incredible partnership. And I think that this is going to be the third best league in college athletics. And that might sound silly, but to me, that's still a pretty good place, a far better place than BYU has ever been. And I think that lends itself to so much potential and excitement for the Cougars. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in a 12-team playoff world, being the third best league is a pretty damn good place to be. I mean, that's all there is to it. That's a pretty damn good place to be. Uh, Some recruiting news this week, not big recruiting news, top four for Spencer Fano, uh, Michigan, Oregon, Utah, and BYU. The big story for me with that was that Spencer Fano's got himself a little bit of a mustache. I didn't know Spencer Fano could grow a mustache. We've had him on this show a few times. I've never seen a mustache, and I know for a fact that Logan can't grow a mustache. So it's kind of interesting to see the senior with the high, or the senior in high school with a little bit of a. It wasn't thick. I mean, I'm not gonna give him the credit and say it was like a full Tom Selleck. It wasn't even like a like a like a what is his name Caleb Presley, the the barstool guy who does all those yeah. interviews. It wasn't even one of those, but it was there, and I could see it. So he gets credit for that. What do you make of Spencer Fauna? How much have you seen? I don't know how much you even get to follow recruiting anymore in your new KSL world, but have you got a chance to see Spencer Fauna play at all this year? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I watch as, as uh, with the KSL game night live stuff and, and, you know, you're hosting the red zone and all that. I, I, I keep tabs on, on all these guys still, of course. And, and Spencer Fano to me, I, I think that, uh, you know, when he saw them, I saw the mustache too. And I thought maybe he, he's already looking like a guy that belongs with along the lines of Clark Barrington and, yeah. and all these BYU offensive line. I thought the Outland trophy was a nice touch too <laughs> in the edit. But I, to me, I've always looked at him as kind of like an Oregon guy. I, I don't know. I just feel like he's, he's like a, an Oregon duck to me. I don't, I, I don't, <laughs> that's kind of my impression of him, but uh, man, if BYU could get him, uh, I just think that this recruiting class in 2023 uh, is is the best on paper class that I've seen since 2010, and I know that 2010 is is very uh, is infamous in BYU recruiting lore because it didn't live up to the top 25 accolades that it received. And but the th- thing is, people don't acknowledge. And in you, I'm preaching the choir with you, but it's just like the star system uh, is so much more accurate now, and the depth of it, and just the evaluation. Spencer Fano's legit, and he would be a guy that would step in on campus and instantly compete to be a starter. And I think that that's the type of talent he is. And that's what guys that BYU has got to get in the big 12 conference. And I've, I've already seen the, the bump with guys like Landon chambers who will eventually get that bump. I'm sure. But uh, those are the type of players that BYU has to get. And these are the battles. And I I love that BYU is in, you know, final four battles. And you think they got a shot. It's not just a, you know, before it might've been, well, that guy's LDS. He's it's the church school. He's he's got uh, you know strong ties to BYU from a family perspective. He knows people from the 80s and 90s. It's just kind of a tip of the cap to BYU. Now this is now legit battles, and I think yeah. that's an evolution too in its own right. That uh, BYU has really evolved because it felt like you know five years ago, many times BYU was just kind of in the mix, and it never felt like it was tangible. It was real. Uh, as much substance. And I think that's, what's exciting too about BYU recruiting is that uh, this program is, I don't know. I don't think it's ever going to be a, 
annual top 25 recruiter, but I've always believed, and I know you do too. It's like, this should be a top 40 recruiting program at least. And I think being in the big 12 and now a 12 team playoff, there is so much to offer and it's got a fan base with NIL opportunities galore. This place wants to win. Uh, You got to get those difference makers. And we've seen even uh, this season with a heralded offensive line, there's still some flaws at times where you're dealing with, you know, run blocking issues and, and things like that. And uh, you got to get the elite bona fide talents. And, and I think that Spencer Fano would embody that and would represent that quote bump uh, mm-hmm. that some would say BYU doesn't get, but they are. Uh, and that 2023 class is definitely shaping up to highlight that bump. And, and you would, you know, you, you have to be professional in the media. So you can't say who says that BYU isn't getting that bump, but damn Kevin Reynolds. Yes, they are. They absolutely are. And, and Spencer Fano represents that bump. Siale Acero, who just committed a couple of weeks ago, represents that bump, right? Uh, Smith Snowden is very much in the mix. People don't know this about Smith because he's Will's kid, but I, I don't think he's LDS. BYU is going toe-to-toe with schools across the country just like anybody else, right? Like we think of BYU legacy and, and BYU legacy kids always go to BYU. That's not the case, especially when those legacy kids aren't LDS. But BYU is still fighting and going toe-to-toe for Smith Snowden, and I, I like where BYU sits with them. And I think too, Jeff, what, what's, it's a great point about Smith. You know, I, I think what's been amazing about BYU too, under Kalani, and I'm curious to see the shift, uh, the evolution in the big 12, you know, when, when he first took the job in 2016, I thought, man, it would be something else if he could kind of have a, a roster like Utah. And I don't say Utah in, in the sense of what they do schematically, but like just the overall makeup. I think one of the successful things about Utah football that they've had success with is they get a kind of a 33% white, black, Polynesian. And I I think the diversity of the roster is really helping BYU's recruiting efforts too, where it's not like, I mean, 12 years ago when BYU got that 2010 class, it was primarily return missionaries and they were pretty much all white guys. And, and I just think that having a diversified roster of all different walks of life and you got a diversified coaching staff too, where it's just like, you don't feel like alone. It feels like BYU football. They have the, the, the branding of a program that kind of does things a different way, but at the same time, they feel normal. Now it's not like mm-hmm. in your face, shoving it down your throat. Like this is what we are. Cause I've been, you know, pouring over some old, um, old sound and old videos. And man, I pulled up the 2005 recruiting class signing day and uh, and it was like, I, I, I truly thought uh, I was listening to Rod Zundel from KSL, uh, the archives. He's like, at a signing day press conference led by Bronco Mendenhall, more like Bishop Mendenhall with all the religious <laughs> references. It, but it was like that. That's kind of what it was. And that was BYU was built to have success in college football. Like it, it, they worked for them at that time in the Mountain West and early days of independence. But it turned off a lot of guys that even LDS, like a sponsor Fano, was like, I don't want this in your face type of religion shoved down your throat. Whereas Kalani, I think just has that perfect blend where it's like, if you are a super religious kid, you can offer that. And Kalani embraces that. He wants you to have the mission and represent the church. But if you're also a guy that isn't about uh, necessarily LDS church or any religion, uh, he just wants you to play ball and show out. And I think that is something that is uh, been fascinating. I think that's why you're seeing, uh, Like Dewey Gray even highlighted it in the fall camp where it's like, this is the most diversified roster I've ever seen at BYU. And I think that helps in recruiting too, where you don't feel completely isolated as a, 
as a black man to go to BYU or a Polynesian guy. You just like, there's so many of any any guys like me around here. It's like, I feel comfortable. I feel at home. I can be myself. And it's a great thing. BYU needs that more than ever uh, in college football to succeed. And I think Kalani has really understood that more than any other coach in the history of this program. I, I agree. And I think what's interesting about it, and you can even kind of make the same argument with like the church at large, is it's not so much like LDS doctrine that's in like people's face, right? Like Kalani doesn't shy away from the, the doctrine of the church or who the who BYU is, but he does it in a way that it's all about God, right? And it's almost like in general, like God is part of the program. And so what that I think has done is it's opened up the eyes to people who are Christian, but who are not LDS, right? That they can see that, hey, look, we're all still playing for the same guy above, right? And and a guy like Landon Chambers, that was a big part of it for him, is that he felt like he could still have his belief system, and it's not going to be he's not going to be forced to be Mormon, and he could still you know be a Christian. So I, I agree with you. I think it's that diversity is good. That diversity is, I think that the ongoing diversity at Utah. It's interesting you bring that up. It's that that segmentation of the roster that they have, like a third, a third, a third, that allows them to continue to get those guys right. Because Utah has a lot of the same stigma that BYU does outside of the state of Utah. Like in when Utah goes and plays Florida, all they hear are Mormon jokes nonstop, right? Like that's what it is. And what allows them to continue to go into Texas and all of these other places is the fact that they are bigger than just Utah Mormons, right? Like they continue to have that level of diversity. Uh, Mitch, this is a discount show here. So we we've got the free version of Zoom. I've got to I've got to I got to upgrade my account here real fast. So we're gonna do that. We can talk about this on the show. These are the kinds of things that a live radio you can't talk about. But here, the people are choosing to listen to this for some reason. The people are choosing to listen to us upgrade our account here in real time, so that we can have more than thirty minutes to record our podcast. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that's what I always love about the, the podcasting platform. Sometimes Jeff, I feel like sometimes I've gotten a little too buttoned up at times. I feel like I need to be a little more loose. I need to be a little bit more myself sometimes like, cause there was someone I, I met a couple months ago and they asked me about the, the podcast days with, uh, and I just like, you know, I, I need to sign just be a little bit less, uh, less uh, tense all the time and just kind of be, be loose. And that's why I always enjoy talking with folks like you, because I just feel like we share an incredible passion that goes beyond just the, the lines of play of BYU. Like we think of things in just a a different, different way, a different uh, line of thought. And that's why these conversations are always just uh, so much fun because uh, we just, it it brings out, uh, brings out the passion. I think that's why, uh, uh, Cougar fans, I think sometimes, uh, oddly enough, they they enjoy our, our commentary sometimes because we can connect with them in a way that's just so different than uh, than other outlets. It's true. I mean, it really is uh, a different a different world. The podcast. I mean, that really was your roots, though, right? Like it was. Oh yeah. It was. It was give them hell. It was give them hell, Brigham. This is give them hell, Brigham. It was a Cougar Center in yeah. Bean's basement. Bean's yep. part of the Give Him Hell or the Give Him Hell Brigham Network. We talked to Bean a lot. Well, those were the good old days. Um, listen, I'm trying to get this upgraded. I don't know how to do it. So when this time runs out, we're going to have to just like log off, 
hop back on. I'll send you the invite again. And people okay. are just going to have to get over it. And I'm going to try to blend the sound together, but also I'm not really going to try that hard to blend the sound together. So if you hear weird inner like interjection in the middle of your show, that's what it is. And I'm sorry about it, everybody, but it's a discount show. You get what you pay for. Uh, so we've got approximately seven minutes. So it actually works out about right. Seven minutes. I wanted to talk about a few things, a few other games. Before we get into Utah State, where we'll kind of dig into how bad the Aggies really are, I, I wanted to talk about some of the other big games. It's kind of the perfect week for BYU to have a Florida game, or a, excuse me, a Thursday game, because there are so many good games on Saturday that you're not going to want to miss. And so I just want to get like a quick, you know, one line takeaways from you on each of these games, big games throughout the week. Tell me what you think is going to happen. We've got number 15, Washington, at UCLA. Undefeated UCLA, mind you. UCLA is going to get the win. Uh, even though they're selling their tickets on Costco at Costco <laughs> and all that, uh, I think UCLA pulls the win here. I, I'm going with the Bruins. I think Kalen DeBoer, a little bit ahead of schedule, but uh, they come uh, down to earth just a tick. I don't think they are completely removed from the stench of Jimmy Lake. I know Penix has been good, but uh, I'm going with the Bruins here. I think so too. And it really is because I just am not a believer in, in Michael Penix Jr. But I did see, was it an NIL deal or was it somebody who just had a shirt that had some like get your Penix out or something like that? Like some play on penis. I thought that was funny. Uh, number seven, Kentucky playing uh, corner Canyon legend. I don't like to call it a corner Canyon legend. He's a Roy high legend. Jackson yeah. Dart, number Come 14. Come on, Jeff. You, you knew him when he was like in eighth grade. I know. And it makes me sad that he's in the SEC and not in Provo because he should be in Provo. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, people got to live their lives, yeah. I suppose. What do you think is going to happen there? Uh, I'm going to miss. Uh, you know, it's crazy, too. The I was looking it up. The Kentucky 2010, last time they were in the Grove. Like that. That's further proof that the SEC – Need to go to nine games, not have divisions. That's just insane. Yeah, That's yeah. one of the reasons, too, circling back to our early conversation. Don't go to 16 teams. Like, 14 would be the sweet spot to me for the new Big 12. But uh, I'm going to Ole Miss. What about you? I think Kentucky's going to get it. Ole Miss, that offense, as much as I love my guy Jackson Dart, who's also a friend of the podcast, uh, I just haven't seen it click enough for him. That Kentucky defense is pretty stingy. I like Kentucky in that one on the road. Uh, Oregon State at number 12, Utah. I hope I know what you're going to pick, but I mean, I guess I don't know anything. What do you think? It's gotta I think Utah wins. Oh! I, I just, I, well, one thing I will say though, day game made me think Oregon State's got yes! a fighting chance. This is the myth I thought I was getting. It's not about the football. It's about the weirdness of the game. And I'm pretty sure yes. the day games, they're cursed. They can't win in the day. Yes. You know, Utah, BYU, they just, they don't do well in the in the day anymore. It's, it's a weird thing. But yeah, like Utah day game, Pac-12 network, that just screams Jonathan Smith special. But I still think... Utah probably probably pulls it out, but uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't trust, uh, uh, you know, I, I just think Utah has been, hasn't been tested at all. Uh, no. So I don't feel like, I feel like I, I know anything about them yet. I, I don't, I don't know if they're even really a team that should be in the top 25 at the moment with how bad Florida's been. I, I just well, think that, that's, that that's it's pre-season expectation still. That's kind of my take on it is that Utah is supposed to be really good. 
I think that Brant Keithy injury is going to be a really big deal for them. Like he was, he made up like 30% of their of Cam Rising's targets. Like Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy, I legitimately were more than 50% of the offense. Like that was who Cam Rising was throwing to. So you take that away. Now Oregon State, who's a pretty damn good defense, they could key in on Kincaid. And all of a sudden, these receivers that have just kind of been along for the ride all year are going to have to make plays. I don't know if they can make plays. And I don't know if Cam Rising can make the receivers better than they are, right? We've seen that from Jaron Hall this year. Uh, I love what we've seen from BYU's receivers. I don't know if BYU's receivers are as good as they've played, but I know that Jaron Hall can make anybody look pretty darn good. I don't know if Cam Rising has that ability. So he's going to have to kind of rely on his receivers to do what, you know, their talent is capable of doing. And I don't know what's there. I really don't. So I kind of like the Beavers in this one. Mostly because of the day game, but also like X's and O's. I think this is a tougher matchup for for Utah. Utah might be the better team, but Oregon State matches up really well against the Utes. Number two, Alabama at number 20, Arkansas. Not going to overthink it, Alabama. Uh, I think Alabama. The way Arkansas lost was uh, unfortunate, but yeah, Alabama. Yeah, I think so too. I think that uh, Alabama loses, excuse me, Arkansas loses this week. I think they lose next week to Mississippi State. They are riding a three-game losing streak ranked outside of the top 25 by the time they get to Provo. I thought that all year long. It's kind of coming to fruition now. Uh, This is maybe my game of the week. Number nine, Oklahoma State at number 16, Baylor. Who you got? I love this matchup too. And I, and I hope that for the big 12 sake, it delivers a big TV number like Baylor game did. I think those sort of things matter when you're talking about the extension and, and getting that lined up with Fox or ESPN. I'm going to go with Baylor. I think that Baylor at home has been an outstanding team. And, and I think that, you know, Blake shape and I understand the criticisms of him. I know he didn't look great against BYU, but I'll tell you, I, I, I'll, I put him as my preseason first-team Big 12 quarterback. Uh, my preseason Big 12 poll. I'm very high on him. That's I, why I was I very fearful of that uh, Baylor game in week two for BYU. But I just I love his accuracy, and I feel like Shapin uh, will, will be the reason Baylor wins this game uh, against Oklahoma State. And it's in Waco on the banks of the Brazos. Give me, give me the Bears. Be I, I, I like Baylor, too, and I also like Shapin. That game against BYU – the way that, that that offense ran in the second half had nothing to, and we said this on the show, I've said this, like BYU fans know this. It had nothing to do with Blake Shapin. It had everything to do with Jeff Grimes. Jeff Grimes has seen the Elisa Tuiaki defense for years, and he knew it didn't happen, but in his mind, he knew eventually they would break and give up the big runs. Fortunately, they didn't, but I think that's what that was all about. It had nothing to do with Blake Shapin. It had everything to do with, this defensive line can't possibly hold up for 60 minutes. Let's just keep going. Um, we're going to run out of time before we get to the rest of these games. And because this is a discount show, our, our Garrett is here. Garrett's he's, he's escalating out of pre-rich and into rich now, folks. And he's the one who brings the, the VIP membership of Zoom. I don't have it. So we're going to have to cut it off or cut it short. We'll come back in a minute. Think of it like a commercial. Go get a coffee, whatever you do. And uh, we'll be back in a second. All right, we're back. If that felt like a choppy transition, it's because it was. This is uh, this is Mitch and I were just talking about it. This is his roots a little bit. People don't 
when, when I used to go on Cougar Center, I didn't go on a ton. I don't know, I, I, 10 times maybe in total that I, that I was yeah. there. Uh, I would have to drive from my house. I'm a Davis County guy. I'm up north, like almost Weber County. And I would drive all the way to Sandy. And it was typically like, hey, can you record at like seven o'clock? I'm like, yeah, sure. There's no traffic. It's seven o'clock on weeknights. Oh, absolutely. I'll get there. Like, I hope like hell there's not an RSL game that's going to make this even worse. But yeah, sure. I'll be there. And so we'd get there. We'd have to like be in the same room. You had all like the switchboards and all this other stuff. And that was what it took the podcast back in the day. Like you were, you were one yeah. of the originals, man. I know it's, it's crazy. I remember buying a Mackie uh, uh, mixer and investing <laughs> in some equipment. And uh, it, it's crazy how much things have changed now. And, and it's just uh, the convenience of zoom and everything. It, it, it could have been a real game changer back in the day, but yeah, I, I pride myself on on uh, you know being an early adopter of the uh, the podcast scene. It's uh, I, it's crazy. I, I I got into my my inspiration of podcasting was the um, I don't know if you remember this, Jeff. Uh, this was like early Bronco, oh, 2005. It was the Cougar Daily Download. Do you remember this? Oh yes. Yeah, Greg Rebell hosted the Cougar Daily Download. Yeah, and. Uh, that was kind of like, whoa, like I remember here learning of that and thinking, okay, I'm going to drop $350 on an Apple iPod now, even though I don't know what I'm doing with this XML <laughs> RSS feed, I'm going to throw it onto my computer. That's just virused up with LimeWire and Napster <laughs> tracks. And, uh, uh, I'm getting this podcast, whatever this thing is. And that was the inspiration. I'm like, huh? Like, I wonder how to do a podcast. And that was kind of the uh, the inspiration and of course it in uh, my procrastinating uh, behavior it took me five years to actually lay down a, a pod afterwards but it all worked out it did it all worked out now we're here and the most inconvenient part about it is that we gotta stop recording in the middle and because we ran into a time limit and so things things could be worse uh, so I think we were talking Baylor I think we both we both picked Baylor yeah that Baylor game people were kind of shitting on Blake Shapin, and I just don't get it. Like, I think the guy's fine. Like, I don't know that he's going to be, uh, you know, Tom Brady, but I think he's fine. And he's going to win a lot of games at Baylor. Jeff Grimes, uh, I, I was sworn to secrecy back in the day, but I think I can talk about this a little more openly now. When Grimes was still in Provo, he used to, like, in order to, like, practice, I think this was mostly like a spring ball thing, not during the season. But in order to get reps against a defensive line that he felt like could actually show what the opponent was going to show in the year, he would take wide receivers off of scout team and say, hey, just play defensive line because he had that little faith in BYU's actual defensive line. And so, yeah, like to me, that's what this was all about. Is uh, he, he just knew that line would break and they didn't and it surprised everybody. Uh, so I like Baylor at home in that game as well. Next game, number 22, Wake. This is like the redemption bowl, I guess. Number 22, Wake. Number 23, Florida State. Uh, what a weird top 25 matchup of Wake and Florida State. But what, what do you think? I'm stunned that Florida State is not one of the teams that's fired their head coach. Florida yeah. State's actually competent, and they're they're looking like they're not bad. Like, they're they're okay. They might be a eight, nine win team this year. I'm, I'm kind of stunned. And, and it's a, it's a far cry from the days of when they were just 
FSU and they were incredible uh, in their heyday of the ACC, but this is the, the climb back up. And, and I think, uh, you know, Florida state's a, a really good football team. And I think, gosh, Travis, I believe their quarterback, I think is uh really good. I, I think that like, I thought you know, it just felt like that their quarterback situation at FSU has ever since like it was Chris Ricks who took <laughs> over and he felt like a cursed man at yeah. FSU. Cause it's like, like he parked in a handicap stall and it was just like, this guy is not good for FSU because every kid, and I bring this all this up because like every kid in Utah, I swore had like a Florida team. My Florida team was Miami, uh, but I always kind of kept an ear to Florida state because they were the team back then. And uh, uh, you know, so I just like, I was always kind of enamored with their, their mystique and uh, to kind of see Florida state back and, and playing in meaningful games again, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, but I think they win. I think I don't, I'm going to go with Florida state at dope Campbell uh, to get that win. Cause I really like their offense with, uh, with Travis at quarterback. Uh, I, I'm, I think wake, I, I, it's weird to pick wake, but I think Sam Hartman's the real deal. And uh, I, I don't know the wake is going to be able to stop Florida state, but I think they'll be able to keep up with Florida state. And I trust Sam Hartman to make more plays than I do that Florida state offense. Uh, this bull or this game, three more games here on my list of games that I'm like pumped for, for Saturday. I never in a billion years would have expected that I would ask you about Iowa state and Kansas, but we've got to start talking to our kids about undefeated Kansas. We got to start letting everybody know. I think that uh, there needs to be some sort of notification from the Pentagon that they're undefeated. Like we got to really, prepare the country for what the world is going to look like with the Jayhawks undefeated. But here we are. They got another chance against uh not great, but fine Iowa state team. They, you know, took Baylor to what was it? It was a one score game. I think at the end of that one last week. So Iowa state could play. Kansas is trying to sell out their stadium again. That place is kind of bananas when they're good, which is rare, but when they're good, that place is pretty cool. What do you think about this undefeated Kansas team? I'm going to go with Kansas. Uh, you know, I, I really like Jalen Daniels at QB. And I think that, you know, their, their wins are actually pretty good. I mean, they're beating power five teams. That's what's crazy yeah. about is that I know it's Duke and it's West Virginia and Houston, who's going to be a P five, but like that's if BYU won those three games, I think everyone around there would be pretty excited about that too. Like, it's not like they're just beating these scrubs that you usually expect from you know Kansas, so I, I'm going to go with Kansas again, and I'm curious too, Jeff. Like, do you think BYU is going to face a Kansas in the Big Twelve with Lance Leipold as the coach? Because he's now going to be. It's it's almost like this is the ultimate uh, coaching national name bowl, where it's like Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold going to be named in every coaching search now, like just yeah, without fail, like. Conjure like someone gets fired. Okay, Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold, they're going to be thrown out as the names to throw in a, in a coaching search. Do you think he stays at Kansas when BYU faces uh, the Jayhawks, whenever that is, 2023, 2024? Um, yeah, whatever Kansas has on the schedule, think is going to face him? That's a good question. I, my gut says no, but here's the thing Kansas doesn't lack for resources, they just haven't been good. And so Kansas probably can fork up the money to keep a guy around if they have any reason to pay, you know, somebody, right? Like this is the first coach in 15 years that they're actually getting a return on their investment. So I, I don't think Kansas is hurting for money. They've kept Bill Self all these years, right? And obviously there's a difference between Kansas basketball and Kansas football, but there's not from Kansas athletics. 
But I think BYU could, or I think Kansas could go and get money to pay Leipold so that BYU does see him. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. The Big 12, that's something that they've had this last year, right? Dave Aranda was in every coaching search. Stuck it out at Baylor. Matt Campbell was thrown out everywhere. He stuck it out at Iowa State of all places. And, and I, I happen to know an Iowa State booster who I think it was the Detroit Lions offered him that job and he turned it down to stay at Iowa State. So there's something weird. I don't know what it is, but something weird about these Big 12 schools that have these hot coaches and they've been able to keep them. I hope Kansas can do it. I think they'll be able to compete with the funds. I just don't know. Like, can you recruit to Kansas long-term? Is that really where you want to stay? I don't know. But I didn't think Matt Campbell would stick around at Iowa State for very long. Yeah, and I think it's it's also a case, too, of these these national media types just can't compute in their head that maybe these coaches want to be at a place where they feel secure and they can build yeah. something special. Like, well, I think Luke fickle is another name that will always get tossed yeah. around for any big 10 job yet. He's one of the best coaches in college football at Cincinnati. And that's going to be, I believe a juggernaut in the big 12. Like I think Luke Luke fickle, as long as he's there, Cincinnati's going to be a real force. So yeah, it's, it's, I just feel like it's that, Again, that that in between range with the Big Twelve, where it's like, yeah, they're power conference, but they're not getting the respect because mm-hmm. everyone looks at them as a step down. But to me, ton of money. Uh, these coaches will make a lot of money in these in this league, and you can make a nice living in these humble towns of Ames <laughs> and Lawrence and right. the, the kings of those towns. If you win, and they will support you, they'll show up. You'll have great game day atmospheres for recruits to come see, like. I just think there's a lot to like, and I, uh, I just feel like these these coaches, hopefully they just see that, realize, hey, I just stay here at Kansas because you're right, like they've got the money to spend. It's just they haven't had anyone since Mangino that's been worth the dang. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see if Leipold does stay. If he does, I think he could build a solid football team, and they might build a statue of the man if he keeps it up. <laughs> well, I mean, he takes them back to a bowl game, and he he's going to get yeah. a six six year extension and make more money from Kansas, whether he gets fired or not, than he would at his, I don't know, whatever job he's going to go to that's a, you know, a Minnesota-type job, not that they're going to fire P.J. Fleck, but, like, that's the kind of job he's going to get. He's not going to go to Ohio State. He's not going to go yeah. to USC. So he's going to go to those mid-tier power, like, better-than-Kansas-power jobs. And I, I don't know. Is that really better in the long term? I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of people like Scott Frost have maybe learned their lesson that maybe it's not right. Uh, the last two games we got here, I really, frankly, I think they're going to be kind of garbage games, but they could impact BYU. So that's why we're going to talk about them real quick, just in terms of rankings. We got number 17, Texas A&M at Mississippi state uh, kind of surprised Texas A&M is ranked that high. I get that they beat Arkansas, but you did lose to app at home. That's tough for me to reconcile. Uh, if Mississippi state can beat the Aggies, I think BYU should jump them, and, you know, provided they take care of business tomorrow night. Uh, what do you think about this one? Uh, Texas A&M headed to Starkville. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Uh, you know, I, I thought they were going to be the team that that won in uh, Death Valley a few weeks ago against LSU, but had that that step that setback. Uh, you know, with Mississippi State, it's always going to be that perennial seven eight win team, but they're going to get some big win along the way, and I think. This is the one, and and I think that Texas A&M's fan base just continues to go in disarray with with losing this one, even though it's not a bad loss. I don't think any loss in the SEC outside of 
Auburn is is a bad loss this year, uh, or Vandy, you know. But uh, but I I would say Mississippi State. I'll, I'll go with uh, Stark Vegas. What about you? Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I don't. I think if Mississippi State can muster up twenty points, I think they're going to win. I don't think Texas A and M. That offense has been dreadful. Uh, last I mean last week against Arkansas, it took that crazy. Um, I, I guess it's technically a scoop and score, but it was a scoop and score and a pitch halfway down the field. I mean, it was a bananas play for like a 70 yard run back. You take that away and you take a boink off the uprights in, at the end of regulation. And that, that game goes the other way. It's so. crazy too, with A&M, like we're, we're guys that watch a ton of college football outside of Manziel. I can't, I, I, I never think of A&M QBs. Like no. I can't really name them. Like there was no, that one I, year, they had Reggie McNeil in like, 04. What, what's crazy about that, Mitch, right, is they had a guy, Ryan Tannehill, who's taken the Titans to the playoffs every year. You don't even think about Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback because, like, what did he do? Played receiver, for crying out loud. And they, they had Kyler Murray for a hot second, and then they, they – they, who was it? They picked the guy that ended up, I think, transferring as well. He went to SMU. I can't remember his name. Uh, Allen? He oh, might end yeah. up in the NFL, too. But it's like – but you know, like they, they just never get the most out of these guys. And that just, it blows me away that A&M just can't get a QB. And that's what I thought Jimbo with all of the money he's getting would deliver great quarterback play at a minimum, like at college station, like at a minimum, they will get great QBs there. But like you look back and you go, it's been nine years since Jameis yeah. at Florida state. Like what's Jimbo done on the offensive side anymore. That makes you think, it's going to change, even though they're getting all these amazing recruits. I think they got a five-star again today uh, that committed to him. It's like, okay, but your but offense you is, is never going to get amount to anything. They don't, their offense is the equivalent of BYU's defense, right? <laughs> it's just like maddening and frustrating and they still win games somehow. Like at the end of the year, they'll probably yeah. be eight and four, nine and three. So like you can't fire anybody for winning nine games, but like, you, damn if you're not frustrated throughout the entire season you watch those AM games they don't even put receivers in like motion so I, I feel bad for this young quarterback who's there now it's the backup quarterback he doesn't even know if he's throwing into a zone or a man he's just up there hucking it deep and hoping for the best and Jimbo Jimbo doesn't care he's like the equivalent of a tenured professor now with his 40 or with his fully guaranteed contract he knows that AM for as deep as their pockets are, they're not gonna pay $85 million to get rid of him. So I think he's just kind of in, in cruise control right now. And it's a it's a hot mess at college station, that's for sure. Uh so I like that pick. I think I think the Bulldogs, I think Mike Leach, I think it gets weird a little bit down there in Stark Vegas, but I do like Mississippi State in that one. Uh, the last game, and again, could impact BYU solely in the rankings. It's the other reason we're talking about it. It is technically a top 10 matchup, even though it doesn't feel like it. NC State at Clemson. Uh, there are not two top 10 teams that I can think of maybe in the last 10 years of college football that I believe in less than North Carolina State and Clemson this year. What do you think is going to happen in this one? You know, I, I love that take because – in my sick twisted mind, I always, you know, you know, me being uh, the, the filthy BYU zoob that I am covering <laughs> the Cougs. I always try to circle things back to like a tie into BYU beyond just simply the rankings. Like we were talking about Baylor, Oklahoma state and compare that matchup to NC state and Clemson. Like these are, you know, two kind of showcase games for the new iterations of these leagues moving forward in the, 
you know, post, uh, you know, power two and then some leagues. Big 12 football is just better. I, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I just feel like ACC football, there's nothing there that makes me say that that's the third best league. I think even the new Big 12, which is the leftover 12 or whatever you want to call them, is better football matchups, just better games that are uh, consumable for the college football viewer. Yeah, maybe they don't have the, the cachet like a Clemson, but it's like, I'm with you. NC State and Clemson, I don't trust these teams at all. I don't, I don't understand, too. I, I'm trying to always point because I feel like whenever there's a team that gets anointed without the clout, like I try to point to the moments that catapulted them. Like last year was North Carolina. It was like, okay, they hired Mac Brown, who, who's like a media guy, and then they got a great quarterback. And it's like they were kind of the preseason darling, even though they hadn't done anything. What has NC State done other than being close? And Dave Doran's kind of like a respected coach, but he's like eight and four all the time. Like, what have they done to earn this clout? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm basing it too much on logo. Uh, but <laughs> like, you know, Clemson's defense too, like let me down. I thought like, not let me down, but I just thought they were, they were embarrassing uh, last week. I thought, like, I thought that team was going to be, in maybe the stratosphere of a Georgia defensively. And they were, they were terrible last week against Wake Forest. They should have lost that game. And DJU uh, is, is one of the rare five-star quarterbacks where I feel like it's not off the field issues. It's just like, he's probably over evaluated. I don't know. What's the deal there with him. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Clemson, uh, but I don't like the pick at all. I'm just maybe going off of, I trust Clemson more because of, history and I don't, I'm not going to ever pick NC state for a big win because they never won one. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And I think that's the, that's the exact take that I've got. I have no idea what NC state has done other than Dave Doran is a guy that people think, yeah, he's, he's an up and comer. I guess he's not, he's not a young up and comer, but he's a guy that is on the precipice of reaching that next tier of college football coaches. Uh, so I guess that's why they're there. But I, I think really, NC State is kind of a victim, I guess, like a, I guess it's more of a benefactor of being ranked in the 20s and then a bunch of teams losing ahead of them. I was like, well, shit, I guess we better keep moving NC State up. And I think that's what's happened here. Uh, this feels a little bit to me like BYU in the whack, right? Like Clemson and BYU in the whack, right? BYU, they were never, okay, I mean, I know this is a BYU show. We're going to offend some folks. Throughout the 90s, like, BYU was never really that good, nationally speaking, right? Like, they, they had yeah. their moments, but they were never really, like, a true national After contender. Time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in the WAC, like, they always represented something. Whether they were up or down, they were the team that people had to go through in the WAC. I think that's Clemson. I don't think Clemson's a real playoff contender. I don't think they're the fifth best team in the country. But until somebody in the ACC can definitively knock Clemson off their pedestal, everything runs through Clemson right now. And that's, uh, that's where I'm at. So I'd like Dabo to win this game. I think it'll be ugly. Uh, I don't trust DJU one bit. Like he looked great last week. He looked terrible in the 13 games before that. So I don't trust DJU, but I don't know anything about NC state. And candidly, I don't know that I've even watched NC state play because why yeah. would I ever, why would I ever turn on an NC state game? Right. I, I know it's crazy. And, and man, it's just like, it, it's, it's, blows me away how they've just been kind of anointed. Like, I, I feel like, you know, circling it back with BYU, we're, we're kind of lucky, you know, following a, a team like BYU because I just feel like BYU provides entertaining games. Yeah. And, and that, it's, it's a byproduct of independence too, where you've had a lot of novelty. You go to parts of the country where 
you're, you're not uh, typically there. And that's always kind of intriguing from a viewership standpoint, but it's like, they just always have a, a knack for some crazy thing or Cosmo is going to, you know, blow a, uh, have a tiki <laughs> torch flamethrower. I don't know, but there's just always some like sideshow antic and maybe it gets amplified on social media, but BYU finds a way to get some sort of week where they are like the thing and yeah. NC state never does like outside of the year in 1999 when they had Norm Chow and I was interested then and they had Chuck Amato and those like yellow tinted glasses and T.A. McClendon and Philip Rivers. I don't know anything about NC State football. That's like, what have they done that wow. says they're a top 10 team? And I'm sure as heck not going to trust a team that I can't really register any memories on or anything <laughs> about to take yeah. down Clemson, even though Clemson drives me insane how Dabo approaches constructing rosters now in college football like dude embrace the portal are you insane yeah. uh, how he doesn't do that but that, that's a whole other topic but I just, I just think that uh yeah I'm gonna go with Clemson like I'm gonna they're, they're probably gonna pull off some late heroic thing I'm expecting some rain I'm expecting some death valley storming of the field like that's just every time I see Clemson in a big top 10 game that's what they do <laughs> That's exactly what they do. And I, until you said Philip Rivers, I totally forgot he even went to NC State. I was trying to think of NC State players that I knew. I was thinking Jawan Dixon, but I think he was a Maryland basketball player. <laughs> you know, it, 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 Russell Wilson for a hot yeah, second. Russell but I knew more about Russell Wilson at NC State when he was at Wisconsin. That's what, like that's what I learned of Russell Wilson at NC State. Yeah, I was just trying. I was trying to comb through any like ACC football memories I had, and all I could come up with was Maryland basketball. That's how much I think of NC State yeah. football. Uh, yep, that's just crazy. We've talked a ton about non-Utah State BYU things because, candidly, this is going to be the quickest preview you've done all year. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to come up with some interesting anecdotes to talk about that aren't just like, hey, the schedule or the, the, the schedules in the future don't include this game. Like, that's the most interesting thing about this game is that the teams aren't going to play anymore after this year. There's just not much to talk about. But uh, Adam Gibby, who took over Lawless Republic, our, our baby, Mitch Lawless Republic. I would give Adam right. Gibby $1 million if he could tell us why Lawless Republic is called Lawless Republic. But like, hey, like <laughs> all the kudos in the world for you, Adam, for keeping it going. He came up with a really fascinating stat this week. And it got posted onto Reddit. That's where I saw it. And so I'm going to read it verbatim here. BYU has played Utah State nine times since uh 2012 and had a qb injured to leave the game in six of those games they have played 127 total games since 2012 and the other 106 games BYU's only had four quarterbacks get hurt but against utah state it's a it's 66 percent mitch like for for you math wizards out there Six times out of nine games, a quarterback has left the game with an injury. What the hell is going on with the Aggies? Is this intentional? There's some, this is some voodoo magic. I mean, Greg Rubel would probably say, you know, that that's a, that's a trend. I'm, I'm monitoring those trends and, and that's, that's something of note. 66% of the time, that's a trend over the course of a decade. Uh, I would say, yeah, it's, it's wild to think and you even go further back. Uh, like 2010, that was also a moment where there was a benching. Like there's always yeah. some quarterback story in BYU, Utah State. Well, actually, excuse me, that was 2011. 
with with Jake Heaps and and mm-hmm. Riley Nelson, there's always some antic with the QBs in this game. Even last year, both teams. I think Logan Bonner got hurt in the BYU Utah State game. Of course, Baylor got hurt. Baylor came out looking like a guy like he comes back on the field I'm like. Did he go blind or is he in concussion <laughs> protocol? Like how he's walking out with just like these big black sunglasses on. It's like, is he got a walking cane all of a sudden? He did. Uh, he, did. he looked a little. <laughs> and he had the earplugs in and, and yeah. So we, we knew it was all concussion protocol, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's crazy uh, to think of uh, this game and all the quarterback issues The I almost think it's, it's a, uh, uh, it's because of the the just the dumb play call by Brandon Doman in 2012. It's still like punishment for how stupid that was to try to run something uh, with uh, with uh, Taysom Hill mm-hmm. and late in the game when the game was in the bag. It's six to three, uh, but like uh, Taysom gets hurt on that that play. I can't remember the, exactly the context of it again, but it's it just was, uh, uh, it, it, it's crazy how since that moment. This has just been the game that always creates some sort of injury, even on the yeah. Utah State side. Right, and you hope that it doesn't happen this week because I, oh. I, I honestly think that like BYU could run Wildcat most of this game and probably win the game. Utah State is, has been that bad, especially on defense. Yeah. And so you hope that Jaron Hall doesn't pick up some crazy injury. And, and I agree with, with fake Greg Rebell. It is a trend. And I don't, you know, it spans three coaching staffs at Utah State. This clearly isn't intentional, but like maybe it's intentional when it happens this frequently. It's weird, if nothing else. Here's my pregame notes for this game. Uh, I came up with all of the detailed notes that I have. I, I will read them to everybody for everybody to know. Logan Bonner has been very bad. The Aggie run defense has been very bad. Uh, the Aggie coaching has been very bad. And the Aggie student section evidently has been very bad. And that's why Blake Anderson has been yelling at the Utah State Aggies, telling them, hey, no, you respect my players. They're good. It's the same team that was good a year ago. They're still good now. Everything's been bad at Logan. Nothing has gone right. Uh, that team is very bad. Like, what do you what do you make it's, of this? It's game unreal to think you Yeah, what do you what do you think of this game going into it's crazy it? to think how bad they've gotten. Yeah, like it really is. It happened so fast. And and I don't know if I understand why. I, I know they lost a lot of those playmakers on the, you know, they lost some running backs, they lost some wide receivers, and they lost a bunch of that offensive line. But it wasn't like they were playing with the same starting 11 all year last year. They went through some injuries. Cooper Lega comes in in the bowl game. I think Cooper Lega, I don't know how you haven't pulled Logan Bonner. He's got something like nine interceptions. And with what you saw from Laga, he's got to be better than what you're getting from Bonner. Uh, but I, I still, even with all of the injuries, all of the lack of experience, I don't know what Utah State is doing that is making them so bad this year. It makes no sense to me. It's crazy, Jeff. Uh, you know, because I thought Utah State would still be, you know, a six and six, seven and five team this year. And, and when week zero came around and they are in a tough one with UConn, I thought more, oh, UConn's mm-hmm. seen an uptick. Uh, you know, Jim Mora's got things right with UConn. No, it was more uh, Utah State is UConn's equal uh, this year. They, they barely uh, pulled it out against the Huskies. Yeah, Utah State's a mess. And it's, it's honestly kind of crazy that uh, I'm curious to see what happens with Blake Anderson the rest of the year uh, because – 
you know, John Hartwell is the name that's their AD at Utah State. He's getting thrown around by the likes of Pete Thamel in AD searches. If John Hartwell goes, Blake Anderson, you now have a history of where you were caught saying something about uh, kind of shaming victims. Uh, he survived that still because, quite frankly, he won and yeah. they, they yeah. gave him an extension. And then two, you're now putting the fans on blast. Uh, it's just, and you're, and you're not a homegrown guy. Like that's just not a recipe to your endear yourself uh, to a program, even though you did win, like in, in put together a historic season for the Aggies. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm curious to see what happens with Utah state moving forward with, with what happens maybe with Blake Anderson, because you would typically think he's, he's built up a, a, you know, a kind of a mulligan year, if you will, this year to like, Hey, it happens, but these certain quirks uh, amplify a seat. We see that often in college football and, and if his AD possibly goes could get really interesting, but this is a game where if they're going to ever put out something, it could be against BYU. And, and, uh, but yeah, I, I think BYU gets off to a quick start. That's going to be a big focus. I think for this BYU team after what happened, last week against Wyoming. I think BYU honestly is in cruise control and, and knock on wood, Jeff, that uh, Jaron Hall, nothing voodoo happens to him. Uh, get him out as soon as possible, get a big lead and get that man out of the game. Yeah. And let's get a real look at Jacob Conover as the second string QB. That's exactly what, what I would do. And I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know how long Blake Anderson survives. I think the biggest weird thing that happened to him is the guy that probably should have got that job was, was Jay Hill at that uh, yeah. Weber state and Weber goes into Logan and boat races the Aggies. And now you look forward fire Blake Anderson. Let's just pretend that happens. I don't know that Jay Hill takes that job. I, I, yeah. Why would you, that's a program in disarray. The mountain West is clearly not what the mountain West was. I mean, look at it now you look at, I, I was looking at it and saying, okay, Utah State, you know, they're popping up at like bottom 25 rankings right now. And it's like, well, yeah, they're they're a mess. They've got to be towards the bottom of their division. But like Boise State isn't exactly Boise State right now. And Colorado State is somehow worse than Utah State. Like the whole Mountain West Conference is a mess. Why would Jay Hill take that job at this point? He's been passed over once. You know, I, I don't think I'd take that job if I was Jay Hill. And if that happens man, like, I don't know. I don't know where Logan turns at that point. It, it gets really ugly. And this game, I think could get really ugly really quickly too. Kind of just I, foreshadowing. Yeah. I, I agree. I, and I think the only way that maybe Jay Hill would want to go to Utah state is that you could take a program. And if you can somehow win that league, like Blake Anderson did, you might have a chance at the 12 team playoff. Maybe, maybe you yeah. can be that 16. That's the only thing. Uh, but I, I think the group of five best league is now going to be the Sun Belt, And I think yeah. that's going to be the top of the line league in the group of five. It is crazy to think how far the Mount West was falling. I, I mean, I saw someone, I can't remember who it was that tweeted it out. Like it was a question of could Wyoming, this was on the Hills of the BYU game. Could they win the Mountain West mountain division? I'm like, no, like Mount, Wyoming was an okay team, but come on, like they're not going to win. And then you look at size it up and go, my gosh, they could win. that. Like, even yeah. though they're a one dimensional football team and Peasley is not good. Uh, they could seriously win that division maybe win that league with how bad it is. Yeah, they really could. This game, I hope gets out of control. It's only a 25 or 24 point spread now 
which is a little interesting to me. But I guess if you really think about it, 24 is a lot of points. And Kalani's never been the guy that's going to run it up and score 60. I think Vegas has figured that out. Uh, so if this game ends up in the you know 45 to 13 range, I mean, that's probably where I would expect it to be. Uh, that that really is what I see happening. Uh, I, I can't talk about Utah State without at least you know, making fun of Utah State a little bit. And I wrote a newsletter earlier this week where I was really open and honest with my feelings about Utah State. And I just want to read some of the fast facts to you. In the closing minutes of this show, Mitch, the fast facts from my newsletter, subscribe to the newsletter at givemhellbrigham.com. It's a freemium model. There's a free newsletter and a premium newsletter. You get different stuff with both. Check us out, givemhellbrigham.com. Here were the fast facts that I have this week about Utah State. Brigham Young is quite literally the reason that Logan exists. In 1859, Young sent settlers to Cache Valley to build a fort on the Logan River. Among those folks was a fur trapper named Ephraim Logan, who became the namesake of the town. 20 years later, 1878, Brigham Young College is formed in Logan. Wasn't until it was a land-grant school later on that it was renamed Utah State. So truthfully, without BYU, without Brigham Young, Cache Valley, Utah State, Logan does not exist. Second point is a lot like this one. So I, I, I continue, I merge these two together. I just can't not read the quote verbatim from the article that I, I got these facts from. It's the, so it says the second point is basically the same as the first. Uh, here's the quote. The first higher education came to Cache Valley when Brigham Young College was founded. Up until BYU got to Cache Valley, it was just a bunch of dumbass morons wandering around Cache Valley. No education was there until Brigham Young got there. So fast fact number incredible uh, fast fact number three. This is according to I love history.utah.gov. So that .gov, for those of you who aren't real wizards on, on how the Internet works, that means this is the government website, folks. This is a fact from the state of Utah. They are listing the most interesting things about Utah State they could think of. This is one of them. Uh, old Ephraim was a giant now dead grizzly bear who had three toes on one foot. Mitch, he died in 1923. That's 99 years that Logan has had to come up with a better fact for the government to put on their website, and they haven't been able to do it. The dead bear with three toes has been one of the most interesting things about that town for 100 years. <laughs> I mean, what do you say to that? That is incredible. And just you say they have not updated their website in 100 years. I love that line. Oh, fast fact number four. This is a shout out to our guy, Boney Fuller. We've all seen the video of We Are Farmers in the student section. I didn't know this. They really were the farmers before the Aggies were the Aggies. They were the Utah State University farmers. They hmm. really were farmers. Bump, 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 bump. Number five. I didn't know this. And I'm a Cash Valley guy. I was born in Logan. My family still lives in Logan. There was, a, there was a friendship. In fact, the pamphlet says half a century of friendship and a decade of contract between Utah State University and Iran. The country of Iran. Utah State is digging so deep for friends that they had to turn to Iran to be their friend. It doesn't get lower than that. <laughs> that is 
that is incredible. These these facts, I I did not know. I was expecting, you know, like I've I've heard these. These are all brand new to me. This yeah. this adds so much to this game. I love it. Yeah, I mean, give you something to talk about in your pregame show tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, this was a few years ago. There was an advertisement from Utah State for some football after party that was featuring DJ oh, yeah. Wayne. They just stole Lavelle <laughs> Edwards Stadium for the poster. When I was reading your newsletter, this was a, an amazing pull. An amazing <laughs> pull. I love that. The, the background, if you haven't seen it, check it out, givemelbrigham.com. <laughs> the background of this poster that I can only assume is hanging up all over campus is Lavelle <laughs> Edwards Stadium. It's not even Maverick Stadium. Ah, uh, okay. Fastback number six. Mark Hoffman went to Utah State. And honestly, I've been a Mormon for my whole life. I didn't even know who Mark Hoffman was. Netflix puts out Murder Among the Mormons, and now I learn he's a Utah State guy. So if you're keeping score at home, folks, Ted Bundy went to Utah, and Mark Hoffman went to Utah State. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> well said. Uh, that's a that's a mic drop if I've ever heard one. Uh, I got two more facts real quick in the last minutes of the show here. Uh, they have a manure law in Logan. It's unlawful for any person to throw, cast, or put into, drop, and leave in any street or public place within the city limits of Logan any stones, gravel, dirt, manure, or garbage and allow the same to drop off of your truck. Da, 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 da. So, like, they really have to spell out, hey, guys, please no manure in the streets. Like, please, just keep your manure where manure goes, not in our roads. And then uh, the last fast fact, they hired Gary Anderson after the Oregon State cheerleaders. They still hired Gary Anderson. I, I don't know where you go from there if you're Utah State. I mean, that's that's bad. I guess you go to Iran to find your next head coach. I don't know where you go. <laughs> yeah, those were amazing. Oh, amazing that's it. Facts. That's how I feel about this game. Uh, I, I I made my final score prediction after a series of pictures of cows that have their heads stuck in stuff. Uh, my my very serious <laughs> score prediction is uh, BYU ninety eight and Utah State's just pumped that gas prices have gone down a little bit, so their their bus ride's not quite as expensive as it would have been. That's it. That's how this game goes, Mitch. Man, it's been a blast having you on the show. Even though we had to do two shows, kind of, it's been a blast having you here. Appreciate you hopping on with us. I always enjoy it, Jeff. This is the best, man. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, well, bitch. Until next time, give them hell and go Cougs. <laughs>